Hello, and welcome back to a cup of atmospheric science with me, Eric Saboya. So after that rather lengthy and rambly introduction from a couple of weeks ago, I'm here to report back on my recent trip to the Netherlands, where I was attending the Paris Project kickoff meeting. Uh, Paris being an acronym for Process Attribution of Regional Emissions. Uh, it's a little bit forced, but you can you can make that acronym work. I think the I and the S come from the middle of emissions, and scientists love an acronym. Um, so this project is spanning, well, eight countries, 17 European partners, and none of them are, have anything to do, I think, with France or from Paris. So I think the Paris acronym is related to the 2015 Paris Agreement, um, but I can't be too sure. So really sort of, I guess, the aim of this big project is improving our estimates of the emissions of key greenhouse gases and climate forces. So really, we're going to be, I think it's going to be focusing on carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, black carbon, organic matter, and fluorinated gases or F gases. And sort of within each of these gases are a sort of different objective. So for carbon dioxide and methane, there's a real focus on trying to improve the source attribution, um, you know, really trying to understand it, what's, you know, human induced and what is coming from natural sources. Um, nitrous oxide, well, the largest sort of source for those emissions are from the agricultural sector, all coming some from the application of fertilizer. And what's really puzzling with that is there are a lot of very large uncertainties sort of attached to our current estimates. Um, when I talk about uncertainties in, in a, a sort of scientific context, I'm really sort of referring to the sort of error bars you might have on a data point. Um, so when I say we say uncertainty, it's sort of really reflecting a lack of knowledge about a particular thing, uh, in this case, the nitrous oxide emissions. And it's not that we don't understand the sources well, it's we don't understand, I think, the time variations in those emissions. Um, it's all a lot of very complicated biochemistry that I don't particularly understand. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, yeah, we're trying to understand a little bit more about the organic matter and black carbon uh, climate forces. So these are very complex species um, and we don't currently have sort of robust emissions estimates taken from measurements. So that is a central goal as well as trying to provide an emissions estimate from that using measurements of black carbon and organic matter from across Europe. And I mean, those two are considered more aerosols, I guess, than gases. Um, and usually I, I haven't seen projects including them under the same sort of greenhouse gas umbrella. But it's nice that I think they are being brought in because they're not, I don't know, I don't think they're really classed under the sort of the air quality branch either. So they're sort of in this, I guess, weird grey space between, between the two. So it's really nice actually seeing um, some more some more um, input, some more other, some other climate forces being involved in this project. So, as I say, this project was hosted at the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands, and you know we had, uh, I guess, delegations from the UK, from Germany, from Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Ireland, Hungary, 
and one other country which I can't remember off the top of my head. It's very embarrassing. Uh, this is only a few days ago, um, but it already feels like an enormous project. Um, even though there isn't much input coming in from Spain or Portugal or some other Eastern European countries or even Russia, although that would probably be very complicated, it does feel like a huge project and a huge amount of work that's going to be going on over the next four years um, where we are going to have to be providing these updated emissions pretty much every year for all these countries. A few interesting things I kind of noted um, from the meeting that I think, I don't know, I hadn't quite twigged. So the first thing was this meeting was originally, this project was originally meant to be um, led by um, I guess my PI um, in Nita Gannison here at the University of Bristol, but because of Brexit, um, the project then had to the project management anyway, shall I say, had to get handed over to a EU partner. Um, so I think very kindly some of the atmospheric scientists at the University of Utrecht um, kind of took over. So it's still the same project with the same ultimate objectives, but I thought that seemed a very very unfair. Um, kind of rule a very very unfair decision I think as a result of Brexit that you put in all this hard work onto this proposal you get the grant and then have to hand over the reins to someone else but that's not to say I think Anita is still well Anita is still heavily involved in the project and is still leading the project and it is very much still her project but from a sort of formal bureaucratic point of view um, a lot of the management is coming from an EU partner the other thing with all these emissions estimates that um, I didn't realize is very much going directly towards the European Commission. And these annual reports are hopefully going to be used in terms of policy making. And, you know, as we are creeping ever closer to 2030, having those accurate emissions of these key climate forces is becoming ever more important, um, particularly for those making policy choices. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say that well, they're only they are important, but you know they are not they are in some ways meaningless unless those results are acted on. Um, There's all is all very well us reporting on what's going on in the world, but it's not much good if no one does anything with that information. But it does seem like there are individuals there who are going to be working more closely with the policymakers. There is there is some form of um, dissemination there is a channel or at least this direct channel towards getting our results to the ears of those policymakers. it's not a case of we're just putting it out there in the universe and hoping it will get picked up i think there is some sort of key um there is this sort of direct line into the ears of the eu policymakers. so those on that side of things i thought was quite interesting i think i would have i would have liked to have learned more about the policy um, side of things, because I think that would have been a little bit more interesting to talk back on. Um, but that's not to say the the you know hearing about all the project plans, learning more about the greenhouse gas uh, methodologies that are going to be used, the sort of expansion of measurement sites across Europe. That was all very very interesting as well, um, and I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of data. That's going to be used in our atmospheric models in the coming years and hopefully hopefully we'll be able to sort of have a really good sort of understanding of these different greenhouse gases and their sources 
so I should say all of these measurements are just coming from the ground. So they're kind of, I guess, air inlets mounted on tall towers um, at various sort of strategic locations um, to sort of have a good coverage of air arriving from across sort of regions. So in the UK, we have our we have our own network and within other countries, they'll have their own networks as well. Um, and then the idea is trying to join up, I guess, all these networks and fill in the gaps to try and use these data to build a sort of cohesive picture of the emissions estimates across um, Europe. I think one thing that's kind of slightly interesting and I mentioned before was perhaps the the absence of Eastern European countries. I know I mentioned there are some collaborators from Hungary, but I think it would have been very interesting, perhaps politically difficult, if there were some collaborators from Russia. So this is one thought I did actually have during the meeting, and it's not to put down the project, because this project is fantastic and is going to do a lot of good, hopefully, and is going to be scientifically interesting and politically relevant, and it's going to hopefully get some big waves going in terms of mitigation strategies. But, and it's a big but, without sort of consideration, I think, of countries like Russia, or I guess China is getting a bit more of a stretch from the EU, similarly with India, but with certainly without Russia or accounting for those emissions, there is kind of almost this question of, well, how much does the rest of Europe actually matter if, you know, we know Russia's producing some of the largest greenhouse gas emissions in the world. We know under the current regime there doesn't seem, there isn't much motivation for reducing those emissions anytime soon. So how important really in the scheme of things are those northwestern European emissions going to be? Even if we, you know, get all of those to zero, but we still have countries like Russia and China emitting loads of, loads of these greenhouse gases, um, will it actually matter? And I think it, that's, that is something I was thinking about. And I mean, I think of course it matters because if, if you start, if we start thinking none of this matters, then we are truly doomed. I think it's holding on to that hope of thinking we can do something and we have to do something that means, you know, it's worth it's worth getting up and <laughs> it's worth doing all this. No, but don't get me wrong. This project is absolutely fantastic. And I am I am really excited to be part of it. It's just obviously, you know, it is there in the back of my mind. And I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking about, you know, all these emissions coming from Russia. Um, and, you know, I know they would, pro you know, potentially be problems with collaborating with Russian scientists at this particular time. Um, but equally, I feel like it could be, you know, sort of the push needed for perhaps maintaining bridges. Yeah, so that was a very interesting side of the project. And I think there's going to be a lot of interesting work coming out of this in, in the near future as well. So I will definitely be keeping you updated on this, but not <laughs> not every week. This might be every sort of few months, an update on the Paris project. But luckily, um, during my time in the Netherlands, I had a little bit of free time and I got to explore the beautiful city of Utrecht um, and see the amazing Dom Tower in the city centre and walk along the lovely, lovely little canals. 
Um, and, you know, it's the sort of place I could really see myself wanting to live one day. It's just got a very nice lifestyle. Um, reminded me a little bit of Bristol, as in there is enough sort of going on here, but not too much that is attracting loads of tourists. I also had a chance to go over to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. Um, not to throw a can of soup at the sunflowers painting, don't worry. I wasn't there to climate protest. Um, I was there uh, to enjoy the beautiful paintings of Vincent van Gogh. And I've been there a few times before. Um, but what I think is really nice about that museum is, um, as one of the curators said, they've got more paintings than space. So they're kind of frequently changing up um, what's on display and what isn't. Um, and yes, the, the sunflowers painting they have there, the, the true sunflowers painting, as I, <laughs> as I was told um, by one curator, um, it was perfectly safe. There was It was all fine. Um, and I must admit, I did get a little bit confused about um, which sunflowers painting it was, but uh, Van Gogh has apparently painted lots of sunflower paintings. So um, it's good to know the one in the Netherlands was safe. Oh, so now also there was a rather fun evening event um, during the Paris meeting. So quite often um, in these meetings, everyone just ends up going out for a meal. We might go to a nice restaurant, have some, have a few glasses of wine, something, some nice food, and then we leave it at that. This time, though, things got a little bit mixed up, and this was very exciting. We all got to go, this is about 40 of us, to a cooking workshop in the evening where we prepared our own dinners um, under the supervision of two lovely chefs um, and then sat down family style and had all this really nice vegetarian food. And it was really fun. It was really good fun. So we were all kind of mixed around so you're not with you know people you know too well so you're getting to meet other people and the idea was it's meant to be a team building exercise where everyone's in this together we're making food and then at the end coming together and eating it and although it took i think the best part of three hours um not least because there was sort of an open bar available to those cooking it was an absolutely wonderful experience and many many thanks to sylvia um, for organising that evening. And I think it was a lot of fun and a bit of a nice change from always going out for a meal. So anyway, yeah, that was um, that was my trip. So yeah, so that was the trip to Utrecht and the Paris kickoff meeting. Um, so hoping I'm hoping to be able to provide, as I say, more regular updates on what's going on. So in a couple of days' time, I'm going to be attending another kickoff meeting for a different project Inhale, which has absolutely nothing to do with air quality. Um, as it might suggest, it's actually to do with fluorinated gases. Um, so this is luckily going to be hosted in Bristol. Um, there are no sort of big trips uh, out of the country uh, for this one. But this is, yeah, this is going to be quite a sort of fun project looking at global uh, fluorinated gas emissions. And what's very, very exciting on the second day of this, there is a talk from the incredible Susan Solomon, who is this fantastic atmospheric scientist. Um, she is best known for proposing the idea that the CFC free radicals, um, that mechanism was the cause of the ozone hole. Um, and she's an incredible scientist and someone I I think would be fantastic to interview. Um, 
unfortunately, I think she's joining remotely from uh, Boston. Um, but otherwise, it would have been fun to maybe try and persuade her to come and talk a little bit about her work um, back in the 1980s on the CFCs. Um, so that's going to be really, that's going to be, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a fun talk. And actually, I think the whole kickoff meeting is also going to be good. So whoever said January is a slow month, um, they clearly did not have two big project kickoff meetings to go to and lots of traveling around um, going on as well. So thank you very much if you've managed to make it to the end. Um, hopefully this is a little bit less rambly than the previous episode. I'm sure I will start improving over time. Um, I think as well, perhaps one thing is maybe I need to put a little bit more energy into this podcast as well. But I don't want it, I want it to sound sincere. I don't want to be sounding too over the top. Um, I know my one of the first people who listened to um, the last episode, um, they did fall asleep midway through. They assured me it had nothing to do with the podcast at all. No, that they were very, very tired and um, just couldn't stay awake. But perhaps it's not the best sign of a podcast if it is putting people to sleep. Or maybe it is. Maybe this is going to cure insomnia. This could be it. Eric, Eric talks about greenhouse gases in a monotonous tone um, that sends people to sleep. <laughs> but anyway i will hopefully be back soon um i might talk a bit a little bit about the inhale meeting um but if not i will be reporting back hopefully soon about some interesting atmospheric science thank you very much